0: Let me read, I'm going to read a psalm this morning. It's uh, Psalm 95. Thank you, Lord. The heading of my Bible, I got a new King James Bible. It says, a call to worship and obedience. And... Psalm 95 uh, starts out, it says, O come and let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us, be, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is great is the great God, and the great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth, the heights and the hills are his also, the sea is his, for he has made it and his hands form the dry land. For you know, this is a call for us to worship the Lord and come before him with praise and thanksgiving, because he's made everything. You know, there was another portion of scripture that says, what is the house that you'll make for me since all these things I've made by my hands? So the thing that we can do for the Lord is to praise him. We come before him with our praise and our thanksgiving. And it says in verse six, 6, oh, O come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand today. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the days of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me and they tried me. Though they saw my work for 40 years, I was grieved with this generation. I said, this people who go astray in their hearts, they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." So we know where this psalm emanates from. It comes from the wandering in the wilderness or even immediately as they came out of the um, nation of Egypt and they got a little ways into the wilderness and things didn't go quite the way that they expected. There was a lot of rejoicing as they were seeing Pharaoh being dealt with and the mighty miracles where God deposed a mighty nation and extracted a people from another nation. And there was exciting things. And yet, our faith has to go through trial. It has to be tested because we cannot go from just victory to victory to victory because we're probably having faith in victory and not faith in God. And so we have to go through those, those, um, um, those eclipses where we don't see or we don't feel the presence of God or we have to go through those valleys. And yet, our faith is refined in those times And it should be that we can read these lessons. It says that the nation of Israel went through these trials. And it says these stories were penned for our admonition or for our strengthening and our wisdom. That when we go through similar things, that we don't do the same thing that they did. You know, and so it's interesting when I look at verse 8 or even before that, uh, verse 7. For he is our God and we are his people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. And it says, today, if you will hear his voice today it's a daily thing it's a daily thing to seek to hear from the word of the Lord to hear from something from God you know you can hear you can come to church and there's certain things that are said in testimony the songs that we were chosen the the people that you're talking to are just in conversation that you can hear the voice of the Lord he can be confirming something in your life he can be strengthening you in in a way you know by coming to church that's why coming to church is important to be a part of a fellowship to be part of uh, something bigger than yourself, it's not always easy to be part of a church. You know, it's easier, you know, through the COVID thing, I've heard in, in a certain percentage of the church no longer gathers together, but they watch things online. And I, there's understanding for that. You know, if you're older and you're concerned about getting sick, I can understand that. But there's something, I believe, that is lost in doing that. You know, and there's, there's a strength that, that happens and a discipline that takes place by us making a commitment to be gathering together at least once a week. Would you agree? Amen. And, you know, I find this interesting when you, you know, I've been talking about hearing the Lord. You know, do we hear the voice of the Lord? Do we hear God speak? You know, and there's, there's, that's up for debate. Some people said, oh yes, very clearly I hear the Lord. And other people, I never heard the Lord speak. I never heard Him speak. I believe that each one of us has the ability. God has given us that ability within our hearts. Maybe not to hear the audible voice of God, but that heart, that still small voice within your heart. And you hear that voice. And it prompts you to do something. And it might be against your... Uh, fleshly nature to do something or to do this or to uh, you know be obedient to this act and it's like well that must be just me I don't want to really do that but when we do it there's normally a reward there's a sense of joy there's a sense of accomplishment when we are obedient to that voice and we might have to step out of our comfort zone to do something uncomfortable and then it's confirmed you know it wasn't as scary as what I thought to do something Anybody know what I'm talking about? When the Lord prompts you, well, oh, I don't really want to, how's that going to, what's going to happen if I do that? You know? But then when we take that step of faith and we do it, and then it's, wow, that wasn't bad, and it's actually good now that I did that. You know? And there's that, that reconciliation or whatever it is, whatever the situation that comes in, that comes about, there's a peacefulness that comes with that. Amen? And it's interesting. It says, do not harden your hearts. And in the middle of the word heart is the word ear h-e-a-r. So our hearing is tied to our heart. If our heart gets hardened, then the ear gets less hearing. It gets less sensitive. Would you agree with that? And so when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit, I want to hear from you, Lord. Well, is there something that we need to do in obedience? Do we have to humble ourselves? Do we have to do something that the Holy Spirit is telling us to? And then there's a more attentiveness, there's more of a, a sensitivity to be able to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. The second way that we know that we're hearing from the Lord, if it accords with the Bible. If it accords with God's word, it's, it's guaranteed it's the word of God, or it's, it's the voice of the Holy Spirit, because the voice of the Holy Spirit will not go outside of what the written word says. It will be within that criteria. There's principles, there's, there's lessons, there's, um, there's, a, there's a nature. That would be in accord with what you're hearing from the Lord. That would be uh, the voice of God. Because I I can find that in the scriptures that that be true. That's a guarantee right there. If you want to hear from the Lord, pick up your Bible and ask the Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Speak to me. Confirm something. Speak to me in my life. What, what, you know, I, 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 need, I need wisdom right now. Or you might have a problem that you don't know the answer to, and you ask the Lord, you know, show me this. Show me this. And it's an amazing thing. It might not happen right away. You know, I've had things where I've had questions about whatever, and, and it's like, I didn't get an answer immediately when I prayed. But then all of a sudden, you'll, maybe you'll hear somebody on the radio talking about that topic. And you're like, wow, that's exactly what I wanted to know right there. Or you'll come across a scripture and it speaks exactly to the situation that you were worried, you were, you were wondering about. Did anybody ever have that experience with this? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so, you know, he's just exhorting in this psalm for not for us to today is the day. Today is a day. Today is a new day. Every day is a new day. And we can, if there, if there has been a hardening of the heart, or if there's been situations where it's been tough, that we can confess that to the Lord. You know, be honest with God. You know, sometimes when we go to the Lord, we feel like we have to be, a, you know, in our best Sunday clothes, and we have to act like, you know, whatever. And, and we don't have to act before God. We can come as we are, and, we, and He can handle you know, he can handle our mess and our, our, our disappointments and our questions. You know, why did this happen? Why is this going on? What and we can bring those things before them before him in an honest manner. And if it's not a right attitude, confess that too. I'm sorry for my attitude right now, Lord, but this is what I'm dealing with right now. And just bring it. And it's interesting when you do that with the Lord, there's something, even if you don't get the solution immediately, but there's something that lifts off of you when you just come before the Lord in a right heart. Just, I want to, you know this already. I need to know this, that I'm going to be honest enough to confess the ugliness or whatever it is of my situation right here that we just say this is what i'm struggling with right now lord i know it's like i don't even want to say it because i I can't believe that's where i'm at but there it is you know and he loves us despite all that that's the hard part for us Is like how could you love me if that's what's going on in my heart because i love you and i'm committed to you and i'm committed to see you make it and and get to the other side that's who god is that god is love you know, love suffers long and is kind. His response to us is kindness, even if we're, you know, not been the best of kids to the Lord. You know, He still loves us. Amazing. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, I want to go to. You know, I've been looking for scriptures in the Bible that talk about He who has ears to hear. You know, it's interesting, and because the reason why there was, I think there was. Seven times where Jesus spoke that while he was walking on the earth. Seven times where he said, he who has ears to hear, he spoke seven times that, that thing. He would say something, I'd do a teaching, and then he would throw that out there. He who has ears to hear. I'm assuming that everybody was listening to Jesus had a couple ears stuck on the side of their head. You know, that nobody was over there with just a smooth side of their head. People had ears. But he's saying, do you have ears to hear what I'm trying to say? Are you contemplating where I'm coming from? It says in the book of Isaiah that it says, go to this people and preach to them. But the heart of this people has grown dull. And he says, I'm going to send you as a preacher, but nobody's going to listen to you. And he goes, whoa. And he was willing to go. You remember he was a man with unclean lips. And he, went, he lived amongst the people of unclean lips. And the Lord says, who will go for me? And he says, send me. And then he says, but when I send you, you're not going to get good results from this. Really, nobody's going to, it was so apostate that nobody was, and he goes, how long? He says, until the place is laid waste, (laughs) but I'm sending you anyway. And it says the heart of this people has grown dull, that they don't want to hear. We don't want to be those people, amen? We want to be a person, a person that's the Lord speaking, and we hear what he's saying. That's what we should attain to, that we can spend time miraculously, Every one of us, sometimes I, I have to catch myself, man. I'm over there playing with my phone. I'm looking at YouTube clips, and I'm thinking, I should be praying right now, right? And it's like, we have access to the throne of glory every single day. You know, if you were, um, you know, called in to, well, the president's office, um, it says, You're, I got a, you I got an appointment with the president, you can come in here. And we would be really excited, probably get dressed up to our nicest clothes that we had, you know, and go in there and it's like, alright. The- <laughs> I was trying to avoid the controversy, now I wasn't gonna say, I'm trying to guard my words nowadays, but say that you were invited to a dignitary's office, a king. You would be like, wow, I'm there, man. And yet, We have access to the King of glory every single day, day and night, 24 hours, 24-7, right? And we should make access. Jesus says, ask in my name that I would do these things for you, that you uh, would bear much fruit, that my Father in heaven would receive glory. That when we petition and we see the answers, just like I gave that testimony this morning about, it says, call upon me in the day of trouble. Call upon the name of Jesus in the day of trouble. When it's happening, call upon me, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Do you know each one of us has that promise? in the midst of a, a flood or the midst of it there's many scriptures that talk about like floods the water surrounded me like a flood but I called on the name of the Lord and he lifted us out and that's the promise in his word to believers anybody who has faith in the name of Jesus Christ the most powerful name on the planet that we can call upon the name of the Lord and especially in trouble and see deliverance that's powerful we can enter in to the, to that, uh, that that place, the holy place, that back in the Old Testament time, only the high priest could go only once a year with the blood of a bull to go in there and just get in there and do your business and get out because the glory was so powerful that you could die in the presence of God. But now, because of the blood of Jesus, I made access behind the veil that we can come in there at any time. And we just take it real casually. I do. You know, I'm thinking, man, I should really make, I remember Pastor Rob one time, you know, we was talking to somebody. He was talking to somebody, and he says, uh, a, a, med- a person who was into meditation, and he said, you know, I, I, can, I can pray to God, you know, and, and the, the creator of the universe, uh, any time. And he says, well, why don't you do it all the time then? And it kind of convicted him, you know, that we have that sort of access to the Lord, and we can pray about just about anything. All day, it says that we could could be praying constantly, whether in the spirit or in the natural, we can pray to the Lord, and he hears our prayers. What a promise. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to read something here that sometimes these sorts of things come our way, and it Diverts us from the reality of what i 'm preaching here this morning the truth of it, and and i 'm not above this and there 's times where God is delivered from great great uh, trial or, or brought us to a situation and miraculously showed up at the zero hour and sometimes when it seemed like it was too late already it 's too late um, and God shows up and does something anyway and there's, you know, there's times where we've waited and where there's times where we're still waiting to see God do tremendous things. This is a story about John the Baptist. You know, actually, John the Baptist, it says in the Word that the, the uh, prophets and um, uh, the writings of the Old Testament were until John the Baptist. So anything you do, you read, uh, actually, the Old Testament doesn't end at Malachi. It ends at John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was taken and um, his ministry ended, that's when the church ministry began at that point. That's when Christ came in, and it's a new dispensation, a new time. And so... This person was prophesied that he would come and he would make the way straight before the Lord. He would be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up in, in uh, you know, rough uh, uh, dress, in skins. And he's in the water over there baptizing people in the Jordan. And he's, his message is ringing out before Jesus came on the scene. It says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is drawn nigh. We all know the story. So he's there. And he... Has word through the Holy Spirit, he says that the one who comes, and you see the Holy Spirit alight on him and remain, this is God's Messiah here. And so he's down at the Jordan and he's baptizing. And this person just, you know, that's actually his cousin, but he walks out of the crowd, he comes in, and he's like, Whoa, there is the guy. That's him. And he says, This one, he was before me but didn't I read the genealogy that John the Baptist was born before Jesus, but he's saying that this man was before me because Christ preexisted. He's He's the one who made everything, right? So he comes on the scene, and John sees him, and he sees the Holy Spirit like a, like a dove, a light upon him, and he says, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. He goes, No, let's do this to fulfill all righteousness. He allows him to be baptized. He comes up out of the water and he hears a voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. An amazing thing. Amazing thing to see something like this take place. And so, this in chapter 11 in the book of Matthew, if you'd go there, is. As history goes on, John the Baptist had disciples. Jesus actually, it it seems like he uh, took on some of John's uh, disciples that came and followed Jesus, and um, his ministry went on. He was heralding the Messiah. He says, that is the Lamb of God. There he is. And Jesus went on, and he gathered up his 12 disciples, and the story proceeds from here. And in verse 11 in Matthew, It says, Now it came to pass that Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples, and he departed from there to teach and preach in the cities. And when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two disciples, and he said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The back story to this was John the Baptist was baptizing, and the Pharisees came out, and he said something to this effect. He says You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And he was just, you know, he was just straight up like that. That's how John the Baptist was. His message was, repent, the kingdom is coming, the Messiah is here, it's time not to play games, get your life in order. And that's basically the message that he was giving. Now in that, we know that Herod had married his brother's wife and took her in unlawfully, and he was speaking out against, this is wrong, and he said, that's it, we're arresting this man, arrested John the Baptist, put him into prison, and in fact, had him holed up in there. Now, this is the very person who was heralding Jesus as the Messiah not too terribly long ago. He said, behold, the Lamb of God, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then all of a sudden he's in prison and his circumstances are not looking too rosy. And he sends two of his disciples to Jesus and says, are you really the Messiah or are we looking for somebody else? Did you ever have that happen in your faith? Where you're way up here on a high with God, and all of a sudden something comes your way, and then all of you are like, I don't even know if I have faith. Because you get blindsided by circumstances, and all of a sudden your faith gets eclipsed by a dark sun, and you're like, where, where did he go? What did I do wrong? And Jesus says about this man, that there's nobody greater than John the Baptist that was born in the Old Testament. I, I'm still trying to figure that statement out but this guy was the herald. He was the one prophesied to come, who would prepare the way in the book of Malachi, that suddenly the Messiah would come to his place, but who can endure the day of his coming? He's like a launderer soap. He's like so bright. It's like, whoa, that's, that's intense. And yet he was heralding the Messiah. And it says here in verse six, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Is there certain things in the Bible or situations in our life that offend us? I could say yes to that. I, I have been offended. I remember when I was going through my circumstance where my hand got crushed and the whole world col- collapsed around. And I would try and read the Bible and especially the book of Job. And I was offended. I was like, this guy was doing good. And you just like, let's, let's have an experiment with him. Let's see what happens, you know. And yet, it turned out for God's glory. And it says, look at the patience of Job and what God intended. Whatever he lost, he received double in return and he glorified God. It says he did not sin with his mouth. He didn't grumble. He says, I trust the Lord. I try. He had questions. He had questions like, this, man, what did I do? What did I do? And he was kind of questioning, and he came through it. And in fact, he prayed for his friends after that, and they were blessed because of his prayers, right? So it's, it's a lot of times what we expect When we become a Christian, or sometimes we have these preconceived notions of what it is, and it might throw us, and there might be an offense that comes up because of that, but when we read these stories, we see a different perspective, we see how God views things in that dimension, and we have been given the grace That we cannot falter or we have the strength if we ask for it to be able to persevere through that and see the reality of what God has. Imagine the position that John the Baptist has in heaven now because of he fulfilled his mission there. Even though he faltered here. He says, you know, the, the very one who's saying, this is the Lamb of God. Look at the Holy Spirit coming on. Look at the, hear that voice of God the Father from heaven. And then all of a sudden he's in prison and it's like, man, my life is in jeopardy over here. Is there another Messiah coming? Maybe I missed this. You ever felt that way? You thought you heard. I thought I heard you on this one. You know, even this election, all the prophets were saying, we're going to have President Trump, this, that, and what. And then all of a sudden, you're like, what What happened? What happened? We hear things or we think things should be this way. But that's not necessarily the, the way that God is doing things, right? And we have to be steeled and not be offended. It says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. You know that song that we sang this morning? Ray Bolt made it famous, but there was a pastor who actually that was his life that he said he, he wrote that song in his, in his, in his in his brokenness he said he, was, um, he said he was in the midst of of turmoil in his church, there was trouble in his church he was burnt out as a pastor his wife had three miscarriages, and he was just, he was just devastated, man, and, and he just like, I, I, I gotta take a a rest, and he was just playing his guitar, and he said this song came to him, and he goes, it's way longer, you know, even Mika today says, we're only gonna sing this amount, because it's a long song, it's way longer than that, apparently, you know, but he, he says he just, but don't you feel that song in your heart when you hear that, that came from a man who was broken, he was like, I don't get it, he says he went in there after his wife miscarried, and the baby was laying on a and he said he held the little boy in his hand and he was just looking and it was just like, Lord, I don't get it, but I trust you. And this song, he goes, he said he felt that song almost wrote itself. It just came to him. It came to him. And to me, I hear the heart of brokenness, but also the heart of strength in a song like that, that God's faithfulness, the anchor holds. You know, Though the, the ship is battered, it's, 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 I, I get a vision of my head a, like a, a, a big um, masted ship that's anchored off the coast, and the winds are raging, and the waves are pounding against it, but there's one rope going down into the water that's holding it firm. If that rope breaks, there's, it's shipwrecked. That thing is devastated. And he says, but the anchor holds, because the faithfulness of God will hold. Even when we would give up, God's faithfulness holds us. Amen? It's, a, it's an awesome thing. I just want to see how far I want to read in this. I stopped at verse 6. It says, Behold, this is chapter 11, verse 6. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? And what did you go out to see a man clothed in soft garments indeed those who wear soft clothing are in kings houses but what did you go out to see a prophet yes and I say to you and more of, more than a prophet for this is he of whom it is written behold I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you assuredly I say to you among those born of women there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I still am trying to figure that one out. But it says that John the Baptist, you read those heroes in the Bible, you read about Daniel, you read about Joseph, you read about David, and you're thinking, John the Baptist? And it's just like, okay. But he also says this, he who is least in the kingdom, in this dispensation of grace, we're greater than those guys in their positioning. I, I just, I How? How does that work? How does that work? But this is the words of Jesus, right? And it says in chapter 12, I mean, verse 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered, suffered violence, and vi- the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and all the law prophesied until John, right here. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. What Jesus is saying. This was that was uh, verse fifteen where I ended. He goes on, Jesus says to clarify, but what shall I like in this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions, saying, Come, say, or and saying, We played a flute and you did not dance. We mourned and you would not lament, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, Look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by your children. The right relationship with the Lord will see the fruit of that relationship in our lives. He was saying, you wanted it at a steerway, way, you didn't receive him. I'm coming in a more gracious way, and you still didn't receive him. What do you want? What do you want? You know, we have the grace. We have Jesus' path, which is relationship, which is covered by the blood, which is we don't, we don't have to kill animals to come into the presence of God. Jesus was a sacrifice. We have access behind the, the throne room of grace, behind into the Holy of Holies. We have a, a better covenant based on better promises, based on a better high priest. We have all these things because of what Jesus did. That's our reality. But do we hear these things? Do, I mean, we might hear it, but do we have ears to hear? Is the heart of the soil, the soil of the heart hard where the seed hits and it bounces off and the birds come and pick it off? Or does it go down and we say, wow, what a privilege it is that we're greater than even John the Baptist just because we're attached to Jesus? Because Jesus is the greatest and we're the body of Christ. Right. Amen? That's, positionally, that's pretty exciting when we think about it, but this only comes, these kind of revelations, these thoughts come through spending time with the Lord and asking questions and wanting knowledge because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and will guide us into all truth if we have attentive ears, if a hardness of not, when your heart is hard, you have a hard time getting into the presence of the Lord, right? So first we need to deal with that. Lord, I need to break up this, this fallow ground. Put the plow to it. bust it up. And, and then these revelations come to us. Then we have communion with God. Amen. Um, in closing, I want to read from Hebrews. Hebrews is the book that talks about this different dispensation, a different transitioning from the Old Testament to the New, from the law to grace, from sacrificial system to the greatest sacrifice of Christ, to a high priest interceding, to Jesus Christ interceding for us. That's what Hebrews is about. You can contrast the law and the Old Testament with the New Testament and the things that we have that are so much greater. This is what the... And in here in Hebrews, it says three times in Hebrews 3... Hebrews 3, it says, therefore, I'm going to read from verse 1, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, appointed to him, and Moses was faithful in all his house. For this one who is counted worthy of more glory than Moses, in so much as he who built the house has more honor than the house. If you ever go to a house and you're like ooing and aahing over the house, yeah, that house is glorious. But who's the carpenter who built the house? There's somebody who actually constructed it, right? And you would say, you would give more honor to the carpenter than the house. You wouldn't be praising, oh man, what a great house you are, house. You would say, this is a guy, is a good carpenter, right? So, uh, so that's what he's making. It says for every, verse 4, for every house is built by like someone, but he who built all things is God. And as Moses indeed was faithful in all his house, as a servant, for a testimony of those things which was uh, spoken afterwards, but Christ... As the son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of hope firm to the end. We are affiliated with Christ. We're attached to the master builder as the body of Christ. He said he's fitting us together as living stones, making us a temple for the habitation of the Holy Spirit. I think the reason why when you read in the book of Revelation that he says in John 14, I go away, behold, I go away and I prepare a place for you. And where I am, there you will be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you so. So he's telling us, don't worry, I have a place for you. When you die, I have a home for you. And why this is taking, you figure he built the earth in six days. Everything that we see. In six days, he he made that. This construction project has been going on for close to 2,000 years. This building, whatever it is he's making for us. And I believe it's because we are those living stones and we're, we're being built into this building or whatever we're bringing to this project and Christ is crafting this masterpiece that is called the bride of Christ. When he sees it unveiled he says look at the bride and it was the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And we get to live there forever and if this earth is glorious even though it's in a fallen condition. Can you imagine something that took that long to create by God? It's beyond our imagination. Verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested and tried me and saw the works forty years, therefore was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest." There is a rest, there's a peace. When we're in accord with God, there's no longer a striving. It's not religious works or do I have his favor? But there's a rest that comes upon us that you're just like, I'm good because of what Jesus did. And I'm in relationship with God. And there's a rest that affords us at that point. And that means in in, in troublous times, you know, we're joking about it. You know, uh, uh, Heather called yesterday because she found out we had to evacuate our house. And so her mom was talking to her on the phone, and I was in the office, and I was on the phone, so I come out and start talking. So Gretchen's giving her the Gretchen version of the story. Oh yeah, it was little, it was raining, and the storm was over here, and then, yeah, we, we decided that we shouldn't sleep in the house, and we left. And then I gave Heather the Portuguese version, man. <laughs> I said, Brada was like Noah's flood. It was the apocalypse, man. We went up to Hanzawa's store. I expected to see zombies, man. It was so crazy. And she's laughing. She's like, oh, my gosh. What kind of story is that? I said, that's the the, the colorful story. (laughs) Verse 12, it says, Beware, brethren, lest you be, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is what hardens the soil of our heart. It's deceitful. It says, you want to do this? Go partake in this. You want your way? You want this? Come on, man, do it. And then we go, and then we realize, ah, that really wasn't what I was looking for, and the heart gets hard it's deceitful. It says, verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast or hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the, re- as in the rebellion. Verse 16, for uh, who having heard rebelled is it, it indeed, was it not who, all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. So these things are tied in with faith. You know, we overcome by by faith. And the thing is, um, you know, we go through trials. And we should keep our eyes focused on the Lord, not allow those trials to get us deviated off the course like John the Baptist did that time. This isn't what I expected. I thought the kingdom was coming. Now I'm in prison. And he eventually got beheaded for that, right? So we got to keep our eyes. And and, um, moving down, it says... Uh, so I swore in my uh, chapter four. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel is preached to them, as well as us. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. With faith, those who heard it. For we who believe do enter that rest, as he said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, he was spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, God rested on his seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore remains that some must enter it, Those to whom it was preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The appeal goes out daily, daily, daily. Enter into my rest. Hear my voice. Hear how much I love you. Hear how much you're forgiven. Hear how much uh, favor I have upon you. Daily, daily, daily. It's any day. But today is a good day, not tomorrow. The flesh always says, ah, maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe I'll choose to lose weight next week. (laughs) Don't ask me why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah in closing, I just want to tie this in. It's a great scripture. See if I can tie this in here. Sorry. Hebrews. We're in there in the sixth book. We're so close. I I figure I have to do this. Hebrews 6.13. It says this, when God made the promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessings I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. You know the story about the covenant that Abraham made uh, with God? That God? Abraham says, all right, I'm going to cut covenant with God. And he says that a terror fell upon Abraham, and he went into a deep sleep. Normally, when you cut covenant, you slice an animal down the center, and you lay out the pieces like this, and the blood runs all over wherever, and the two parties walk between this, between these pieces of the slaughtered animal. And it says, this is a blood covenant, and what it says is, if I don't uphold my my agreement on this, this is what you can do to me. Cut me in half, and let the blood flow. And because God didn't want Abraham interfering with this, he says, I'll put you to sleep, and I'll walk in between the pieces. I'll make sure this covenant is ratified without the weakness of the flesh. That's what was happening there. We have the same thing in Christ. When we've appropriated the blood of Jesus, our covenant is sure. It says, uh, verse 15, after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise, for men indeed swear by the greater an oath of confirmation, uh, which is for them the end of all dispute, Thus God determining to show more abundantly the heirs of promise, the immutability or the unchangeableness of his counsel confirmed by an oath that by two immutable or unchangeable things in that it is impossible for God to lie. He might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us the fact of Jesus Christ's resurrection is the hope of our eternal life. We can say, I'm grabbing onto that because Jesus resurrected, and he says, if I have faith in that resurrection, I will partake in that. And then he goes this, the hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered in for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That we have blood covenant with Christ. That he intercedes for us. That we can have hope like an anchor that goes behind. Our anch- We're tethered on this side and Jesus is anchored on the other side. And he ain't letting go of that rope. Thank you, Lord. The anchor holds. The faithfulness of God is there. This is the covenant that we have with our God. If we would hear the voice of the Lord. He'll reveal these truths and these hidden things from the foundation of the earth. They'll reveal us to him, to us through the spirit of truth, his Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.